Welcome to Strategy Saturday. I'm Charles Crillo, and today we're going to be discussing should you invest in real estate right now in 2021? And if you've spoken to anyone that's interested in investing or buying a house for themselves and they've got house fever, this can become a very heated debate. But if we're talking more here about investments, and if you're buying solely for investment purposes, the question is relatively simple and boils down to valuation. It also boils down to what your strategy is. When I'm looking at underwriting from people that reach out to us is I see a lot of aggressive underwriting that's out there. I see people penciling in that they're going to have three, four percent rent increases consistently for the next five years. Now, if you're putting in there a 2% rent increase, I might say, fine, you start putting 4% plus no matter what market you're in. That is a whole different ballgame. And that's very aggressive underwriting. Now, with the current price right now, the medium listing price of a U.S. single-family home nationwide is currently around $375,000. That's up more than 17% compared to last year. What's really affecting the price? Well, MBS purchases, mortgage-backed securities. The Federal Reserve is currently buying $40 billion worth of agency mortgage-backed securities, MBS, every month in order to support the residential housing market. When they refer to agency MBS, they specifically mean purchasing those mortgage-backed securities, which are made up of mortgages from Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae. It has bought up almost $2 trillion worth of MBS since March of 2020, which is more than its total aggregate purchases in any previous period, including 2008. This is a major factor why prices are sitting where they are. The other factor with prices sitting where they are is inventory. Inventory is very, very tight. Usually six months is the inventory. If we start getting over six months of inventory in the market, you can see it kind of start sliding toward more of a buyer's market. When we start getting less than six months of inventory, that's when it starts sliding to more of a seller's market. Now, mortgage moratorium, it's another critical factor in this rise has been is the mortgage forbearance and foreclosure moratorium, which has been extended to at least in the summer of 2021. Some 2.7 million homeowners are currently enrolled in federally sponsored forbearance plan, with even more signed up to private and lender-backed plans and payment modification schedules. Now, this is a fact that we should be taking into consideration. However, what this also means, if prices keep on going up, and people are in forbearance or foreclosure, some people say, oh, they're just going to, when it ends, these people are going to go into foreclosure. Well, not exactly. If you're facing foreclosure and the value of your property is continually rapidly growing, you might be able to sell it, get out without a foreclosure. Now, if the market slows down a little bit and you're trying to sell it now with a property that uh, this is like 2008, 2009 all over again, you're like short selling a property where you're owing more on the property than it's going to sell for. That's where this could be turning into a problem. Now, in, in, in effect to national inventory of active listings declining by 53% over last year, creating an artificial shortage of available housing stock. So as I was saying before about the six month kind of line, when you're looking at this and you're going back and forth on different properties, this is very important when you see this because people aren't selling. If people are not selling, 
then this is going to be a problem. But what happens when people start selling? It could ultimately not, you know, real estate's slow, but it's not that slow. It could ultimately turn into a buyer's market if we have an influx at the end of 2021 or 2022 of new listings. When people feel completely confident with COVID being over, you might see a lot more people moving, a lot more products back on the market, a lot more homes, investment properties back on the market. Now, if you're buying this and it's for appreciation, this is where the problem happens. If you've purchased for cash flow with conservative underwriting, most likely not going to be a problem. Another factor is institutional buyers with PPP money. With real U.S. wages decreasing since January due to inflation, more than 10 million jobs wiped out, wiped out since March 2020, and weekly new jobless claims still at 385,000 seasonally adjusted. It's not surprising that the institutionally owned single-family rental housing stock is also at an all-time high of more than 16 million homes as of January, with smaller institutional players receiving and buying up properties with federal funds. Now, this is another big thing. You have a lot of people, a lot of investment companies that are buying single-family homes as well. So a lot of this inventory might not even be coming on the market per se, it might be just gobbled up right away from institutional investors. Institutional investors invest in all real estate classes, single family, multifamily, industrial, it doesn't matter what it is, there is institutional money that is out there looking to be placed in these assets. Now, finishing up, I want to talk a little bit about construction. Now, the average cost to build a house is 248,000 replacement cost or between 100 to $155 per square foot, depending on your location and the size of your home. Now, lumber is at an all-time high, with estimates from experts saying that that will continually drop through 2021, and that uh, we're going to come to a much more stabilized lumber price by the end of this year, beginning of 2022. Now, compare it to the current median price of $375,000. While rising inflation was one of the big reasons to invest in real estate and real assets, the average price you're currently be paying is not really competitive when you're looking at the overall landscape. This is something where you have to compare to other historical events. Obviously, if we have a pullback now, it's gonna be a little different than every other pullback, whether it's early 90s, whether it's 2008, but a lot of the signs are still the same. Look into these markets when people are 40 bids going on a house and houses are selling for five or 10% over listing and all, all these type of crazy stuff that's happening right now. You have to look back into other pullbacks and see because there's going to be a lot of commonality between them. So I hope this helps you in investing and please remember to rate, review, subscribe, submit comments and potential show topics at globalinvestorspodcast.com. Look forward to two more episodes next week. See you then. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. 
Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.